We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle absolutely smashed Brentford by five goals to one at St. James's Park on Saturday. We all had an absolutely lovely time, and we're going to talk to you about it today. You've got me, Alex, Norman, Sy, and Charlotte. Join me in our studio, and we're going to talk about Brentford. How good was it to see Newcastle United score five goals at home? Beat a team, once again, that we were told would be difficult. They're a good side. Respect them, which I'm sure the lads did. I don't respect them because we put five goals past them. <laughs> uh, and to be fair to Thomas Frank in his post-game interview as well, he was just like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. I've, I'm standing here, we conceded five goals. Yeah. can't really say anything that changes that fact. I like that approach because we were so dominant, he was essentially speechless. We're on Patreon. It costs eight pounds a month. You get lots more of these kind of podcasts and it keeps this podcast going. You also get the pods ad-free. Please come and join us if you enjoy what we do. We'd be massively grateful. Charlotte, you just had one of the best days ever yesterday. You've been, you know, very, very happy this morning about the fact that you were inside St. James's Park yesterday to witness that. I was. And my voice is a little bit croaky, partly from celebrating goals and partly because I've got a cold I can't shake. So apologies to everybody for a little bit of croakiness here. But it was amazing. Like, it was just... Uh, it was just an, it was a sunny day so it was nice it was nice going to the ground I went with my dad as I often do and it was it was just I don't know probably after a little bit of a slow five minutes first five minutes the the rest of the game was just so much fun like it was just fun to watch and I, I genuinely can't remember when I last enjoyed a game in that way for that much of it for like basically the whole game it was easy we, we were like we made it look super easy there were like moments there where I thought we're not even trying here and, and we're just dominating the game and it was the players looked like they were having fun everyone around me was having a great time um my dad had his binoculars out and he was he was checking out who was in the stands and who was warming up and he was having a nice time it was just yeah I, I was just so happy when I left the ground yesterday in a way that I haven't been in, in like it's been better and it's been getting better for a year as we know but I yeah I just I just finally felt like that was like I don't know like like a weight lifted off my shoulders kind of it was just I can really enjoy this now it's absolutely class it's very easy supporting Newcastle United at the minute isn't it yeah it's very stress-free interesting the performance was fantastic overall obviously five goals Nine goals in two games. The first time that we've scored more than four goals back-to-back since 2001. Absolutely incredible. 
But you know what I think shook out of that topper yesterday was a bit, a little bit, um, was the goal that Brentford scored. I think that really was almost that intensity that how demands from the kickoff. I, I think there was a sense of expectation when I got in the stadium. I could feel that we just thought we were going to win. And it was a little bit of a, I guess, a slow start compared to Fulham the other week. When I was at Fulham, it was just straight in from the kickoff. We just went at them. Um, and Brentford scoring that goal, it almost like kind of shook went to life. And after that, we were absolutely spectacular. Um, there isn't one performance on the pitch that you can follow. And you're right. I mean, Frank Thomas at the end of the match said um, that basically um, Newcastle played in a way that I, I just wasn't, I kind of wasn't anticipating. The, the, he mentioned the intensity. Yeah. And when other managers are starting to take note of how we're, how we're playing, it tells you that we're heading in the right direction. There's a there's a fear factor there when knowing Newcastle United. And I think that's what happened yesterday. We kind of saw it against Nottingham Forest, but they were a newly promoted side. Brentford got out on that pitch yesterday. And as soon as we started showing intent after that, you know, as I say, after that disallowed goal, we really got at them. They crumbled. And there's going to be a lot of teams crumble this season at St. James's Park. Can't what a add. thing to think. What a thing. It's so nice, isn't it? Can't add too much more, guys. I think, yeah, it was just a just an enjoyable, enjoyable time to be in St. James's Park. Now, contrast that to the Bournemouth game, which got, which got, I, w- I won't say nasty, but, you know, the, the atmosphere was getting a bit tetchy. People were getting annoyed, frustrated, angry. There was boos. There was kickoffs. There was what you're doing. There was why aren't you passing it there? What, you know, none of that yesterday. None of that from, from basically from the first five minutes when we, like we did have that scare, Norman, but we also just looked intent on scoring an early goal, and we and we just kept at them, and then it just got better and better and better, and no one in the no one in the stadium was having a bad time. Everyone was enjoying it. Even Brentford must, fans must have been enjoying it. How good is this team we're getting to watch? What a, what a what a treat for them! But yeah, um, I don't think I've ever enjoyed St James. I can't remember the last time I've enjoyed a home game so much because there was no. There was no fear. There was no like even when they scored the the penalty, two one. At no point was I thinking they're going to get back into this. There's a, no, no doubt creeps in anymore. Whereas if that was Newcastle under Steve Bruce, or in the last twenty years, you would think, oh, here we go, here we go again. But at no point did that did that cross my mind. It was like, nah, we're, we're too good here because we just got better. As the game grew, as the players scored goals, as the confidence grew across the eleven players, it just became a, a, an amazing day. Absolutely. And one thing I will say is that Thomas obviously mentioned the errors that Brentford made and. I've seen a few of the fans. I've got quite a, a few mates who are Brentford fans and they knew that the players made mistakes. But the way I looked at it is actually we we forced them into those errors. It was how we played that mm. that made them commit those errors. And mentioning Dan Byrne, I just want to go on record to say that I actually think it's a little bit unfair that someone with arms as long as that gets <laughs> gets given handballs against him because it's not his fault he's arms so long, is it? You know what I mean? There's not many players that ball at that height hits their arm. So it's out, it's outrageous and I hope the FA is listening because anyone with an arm that's over four foot long yeah. needs to, you know, have a special there sort of dispensation. Rules. Yeah. yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, tremendous, tremendous day. Like you said, I, th- I thought I thought we, we had a little chat off there before. I thought the atmosphere was, was was really, really good yesterday. It was really, really loud. There were a couple of Brentford fans sat behind me in the corporate bit um, who kept commentating about just the whole, the whole, I don't know, event. It's like an event, isn't mm-hmm. it? To come and watch football like that, it's not, it's not the same as going to Southampton or going to like Everton, it's just not the same at the minute coming to Newcastle United with that kind of atmosphere and that kind of unity and togetherness. It's just a club on the up and I think that's one of the things which is one of the most enjoyable parts of being a football fan and the reason a lot of fans enjoy promotion seasons as much, enjoy relegation um, survival as much is because there's a sense of direction which for a lot of the time, particularly supporting this club, we've been without so even ignoring the world-class footballers and the superb goals and the excellent result, I got a lot from yesterday ju- 
just from how upwardly mobile we are. And everyone in the ground knows it. And like you say, Sion Norman, uh, whoever said it, the Brentford fans could feel it, the Brentford fans could know it. I thought they actually brought really good numbers yesterday for a relatively small club. They brought nearly double what Palace brought. And rail strikes. And rail strikes, exactly. Um, but they were very, very quiet. Because I just think there's a sense of what you're watching. You, you, you know, even when Palace fans came up and Newcastle dominated Palace, we are we are quite clearly, in my opinion, and I've been consistent with this since before the season. We are miles ahead of those clubs at the minute, absolutely miles ahead of someone like Brentford. Brentford have probably designs on at least maybe pushing into the top ten this season. That's why I disagree with the idea that this set of players in this environment would just take you know tenth place this season. I think that would be a a gross underperformance mm. for the talent uh, that we have at our disposal, Norman. We'll finish top seven. I'm, I'm, I'll see it now. We, like, we, we were, barring some tragic injuries at the World Cup, let's say, to Bruno, for example, I, I genuinely believe that. I look at West Ham last season, I look at West Ham the season before, I look at teams like Leicester finishing in the top six and the top seven. I think we are now, even right now, we're, we're a better managed and better side than both of those teams who finished six and seven. I mean, maybe Leicester, I'm probably stretching a bit there a couple of years ago, but I can't see why, why we, we ought not to finish in that position. And just on the Brentford fans, um, the feeling that those Brentford fans had, I reckon, probably matches the feeling that we've had other than the championship years for the last sort of 15 years where you go into certain stadiums and it's very difficult to get yourself up for the match itself because you just know what's coming. So everything around it, you go into the match because... You've got the day with your mates, you've got the drinks beforehand, you've got the crack afterwards, but the actual match itself, and we've been in this position before where you've sat in the booze and you've thought, Christ, the match is a bit bit of a distraction. I'm going to get in the match for 90 minutes. I'm probably not going to have a particularly good time. We've been in that position for years and years and years. And to see the Brentford fans yesterday made me think, God, I, I remember what that was like. And it's it's not really like that anymore, is it? Because every match we've gone into, not only do we believe that we can win, but teams are coming to play us in their thinking before kickoff, we're probably going to lose this. When was the last time fans came to Newcastle, the <laughs> weight fans, and thought, we're probably going to lose this? Well, well, that that feeds into what you were saying last night, Norman, um, that in 2022, we've been beaten by Everton away, which was a bit of an anomaly in a weird game because the game was stopped for like 15 minutes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in prison, now that lad. Which is a joke, by the way, I just want to throw that on record. Like, <laughs> yeah. absolutely outrageous to put him in prison by that Like, I mean, God almighty, free speech, how are you? Sorry, I just had to get it out. Might, you might not do it again, though. Um, he will. <laughs> hope he, does. he absolutely will. But he did. That's kind of why he's in prison. But I agree with you, Norman. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got so you've got Everton, which is normally you've got Spurs away, which was a deserved, resounding defeat. But shit happens. You've then got Liverpool and Man City, the only other defeats in this year. Like so, like you say, Norman, it's it's essential. If you're in a fan coming to St James Park, what have you got? You know, what body of work are you looking back at to think we've got a chance here today? Because particularly Newcastle, when they've got all the class lads available. And this is the scary thing. This is the thing that should scare other teams in the Premier League. We've got four players potentially to come and improve that first eleven. Some of it's a bit conversational about who comes in. But I would say John Joe Shelby, Joe Linton, um, ASM and Isak. Alexander Isak, if, if integrated properly, are all footballers that in certain situations will massively improve what we had yesterday. And we already would 5-1. That's that's I mean, this is maybe one of the most promising situations we've ever been in, going back what 20, 20 years at least, two decades. And to further that slightly, we've got Manchester United away next week. If you think we're excited now, <laughs> we go and turn Man U over, which I think I think we might do. I think we really might do. If we can go and turn over Manchester United in Manchester, then you know the the rest of the league, the league really, really will 
you know, wake up type thing to what to what is coming their way. So it's tremendously exciting for that reason. Uh, of course, we have a full Man United preview this week on Patreon. Um, we're going to leave you with a couple of adverts now. Uh, if you don't like the adverts um, and you want to listen to these podcasts without them, then uh, join us on Patreon. Back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Part two of the show, and I'll, I want to start it off by saying um, another massive point about yesterday which makes me very, very happy inside, is that we continue um, to answer the questions that, that even even the likes of Eddie Howe would pose of his own players. Mm. So against Palace and Brent, um, Bournemouth, you know, we don't create enough chances. We don't score enough goals. Next two games, nine goals. Okay, it was against Fulham. It was against 10 men. Next game, five goals. These are emphatic answers to the questions posed of his team and the, the initial question when he came in was you can't defend you're not going to be able to you know keep enough clean sheets concede few enough goals to stay in the Premier League emphatically answered you get to the end of the season you, you win against Leicester and you stay up okay you, you've stayed up now there's nothing to play for can you motivate these players to go and have a strong end to the season emphatically answered it's just, like to, to kind of make this about Eddie Howe he just seems to have an answer for every single situation it's almost like he he knows when things are going to go wrong and already has an answer before things go. And I don't think that's fair enough if anyone else wants to talk about how and the job he's doing. But I, I always feel like we've got to bring it back to him because lots and lots of clubs have spent money in the Premier League and haven't gone on. Look at Everton. Look at Everton. There are a few teams in the Premier League currently who, who just aren't able to you know, turn 
financial investment in the points, Eddie Howe seems to be a master of the art. I think the important thing, and going back to what Norman and yourself were saying in part one, is that the not only have we only lost to, to Liverpool, Man City, the, the dodgy Everton game, and, and Spurs, basically, I think only, you can only say Spurs and Man City out of any of the teams in the last 12 months have actually outplayed. We, we, we've outplayed Arsenal at home, we've outplayed Man United at home, and these the points we've dropped earlier this season to... to Chelsea um, away, you could argue as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We have forgot to about do. Chelsea in the defeats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, did, they did beat it's us. Fine. Um, but yes, you know, we, uh, the, the games we're losing uh, are, are narrow. The games we're drawing at home, we, we're not being outplayed. And the, the points we've dropped this season, we've been the better team in pretty much all of them, bar Brighton away, maybe. Um, you know, the fact that we're, we're now the, the better team, that the other teams are the underdogs in all these games is, is the other thing about Eddie Howe and the job he has done to turn this set of players into the team that's expected to win and the the team that's respected by the opposition so much that they try and shut us down. And then, like you say, Dodgy, finding answers to those questions was right. Now teams are treating us with a lot more respect and making it more difficult for us. What we're going to do, well, we're going to go and smash them 5-1. That's what we're <laughs> going to do. Like, it's just it's just incredible that the job he continues to do, the improvement we see in the players, the players who were all getting frustrated at three weeks ago against uh, Bournemouth, like your Miggies, like your, um, your Joe Lintons, your Willicks, how much better they've become in three weeks and, and the, the things they're trying and the, the answer to those questions that he's finding, it's just amazing. I, I can't I can't say enough words about how how blown away I am by, by, by the constant improvement of this team. I totally agree. And you kind of make the point there that um, that I wanted to make a little bit that, that he not only turns financial investment into into points and goals, but he's turned our existing players that we that we had into these like spectacular like mm. fit specific like the amount of running yesterday the athleticism on the pitch they're like it, it, as we've mentioned the intensity like that's come from him and the way that he trains our players and it's just it's just a, it's just incredible to see it's almost like he he actually watches what's going on on the pitch and and tweaks his tactics and tweaks the training to uh which is a is a, is a nice thing to yeah. deal with I mean, he's spectacular. I think there's that saying, isn't it, in the in his office? Intensity is our identity, which is very much him like, encapsulated in a few words, right? You watch him on the sidelines, and Sai, you mentioned before we started recording, the reaction to Gimaraes going off, he got this massive round of applause, but Hell was so focused on the game that it was almost like he wasn't hearing what was going on running him. He was just looking at the match, that kind of tunnel vision that he has. And Gimaraes almost had to kind of shake him to get a reaction from yeah. him. Um, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, well done, mate. And he pats, he pats <laughs> him. But he's so involved in the game. And this is the thing we, you know, for almost what, for the best part of three years, we were told as a fan base that um, the previous manager was doing a good job, that we're demanding too much. He's only got what he's got to work with. It's not his fault. And you're thinking, no, no, at the time we, we said this on numerous occasions, it's not about the players, it's about what he demands of himself, what he demands of the players. And you could not have two polar opposites. And it's, you've almost got this sort of passing of the guard. If you think of like people like Allardyce, who's not working in football anymore, you think of Bruce, who's going to lose this, his West Brom job in the championship, all the complaints level against him for just not really caring, not having that, that intensity. Hell is very much a part of the new breed of manager that is absolutely vital to a successful club. You know, you look at the other English managers, like someone like Potter, for example, that's what they are, the kind of, they've learned from people like, like Guardiola to, to, to demand from the players, like the, the absolute every single ounce of effort that they can give and the improvement of, of players like, like you say, like Joe Willock, Joe Linton is just an absolute joy to behold. So I, I could not be happy with how, and I said this the other week, I'll see it right now. When the job was available and names were being bandied around, I would have taken Unai Emery over Eddie Howe then. I would have taken Antonio Conte over Eddie Howe then. 
right now, I wouldn't want anyone else in that role other than him. What a job he has done, man. Well said. Well said. And October has started. Massive result yesterday in, in, in Fulham as well. I think even when the fixtures came out, October was always going to be a month where we would learn a lot about this side. There were points on offer against not great teams. There's, there's Man United in there. There's Spurs in there just after. Shapes worth them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it's a really, really exciting, exciting month. And this is the... I feel until we do something like win at Old Trafford or go to Spurs and play well and get a point, there is, there is always going to be maybe some, and not in this room, but maybe some lingering doubt about, will you beat Brentford? Well, that's the first time Brentford have conceded five goals in the Premier League. And they could, could have conceded more. And, and again, I don't think we were at our best yesterday. I've seen Newcastle. I think Newcastle maybe played better against Tottenham Forest than they did against Brentford yesterday. But, but... This is this is the beautiful thing. Players to come back. Callum Wilson having a real off day for him yesterday. Um, Sean Longstaff had a ropey first thirty to then win five one. Despite all of these things, we've gone from pre Eddie Howe, which is Newcastle United having to play at the very top of their ability to even sometimes get a point or stay in a game mm. against a poor side like Brentford. You know, Newcastle played Leeds last season at the start, draw one one. I thought Leeds were the better side. You have the manager there talking about how how, how good we were because he clearly thought he'd seen the best of his side get a one one draw against a very poor side like Leeds. Now you've got Eddie Howe seeing his Newcastle side perform very, very well, do what they had to do in in a clinical fashion, take the opportunities afforded to them by the opposition. But there's so much more to come. I think there's so much more to come from this side. Do you remember when our identity under the previous manager, um, according to Kelly Kato's, well, they do stay in games for a little bit. <laughs> Some of those days. And um, also, I'm just going to re- I'm just going to reference the um, the you mentioned the Leeds one all draw, the Crystal Palace two one defeat where for 20 minutes we were class. I mean, <laughs> this it's, it almost seems like a different. It didn't it's happen. Nuts, it's, there's a madness it? to it. Like if you look back now, you're thinking that was. Bad shit, mad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like we we played well for about sixty minutes. Well, the game's ninety. So yeah. what, what, what else? I'm pleased you said that, um, Norman, about identity because it was my next point. And I think when other teams think about what will Newcastle do to you, apart from defend very well, um, it, it's winning the ball high up the pitch. How many chances and goals do we score and create um, with a player like Bruno? Joe Linton in particular, Sean Longstaff, Joe Willock, taking the ball off them and then five to ten seconds later the ball's in the net. It's yeah. it's it's quite extraordinary to watch. It's amazing that like the, the Bruno in particular, obviously we, we talk about Bruno, we have to talk about Bruno. The, the way he just collects the ball yesterday, collecting the ball off a Brentford player like it was nothing. Brentford had no idea what to do with him yesterday, but it was just so joyous to your point. Like it... it Made it look so. I was like, "Oh, I could probably do that," because it was looked so. Definitely, definitely couldn't, but it just looked so easy, so like natural. It was amazing. It's not just the nick and the ball at the pitches. It's it, by doing that, it forces mistakes later in the game. So when we start doing that, when we're pressing so high, and I'm going to include Jacob Murphy for some praise here because whilst he's not a brilliant technical footballer, his running and his closing down caused errors. It caused their goalkeeper to ping the ball to Wilson for the for the second goal. Uh, and then their keeper starts, you know, as soon as he's done that once, he panics and between him and his centre-half, there's loads more confusion. And we're not even winning the ball in high positions anymore. They're just giving us the ball in high positions because we're making them shit themselves. And it's just like, that's what we've become now, that we're the team that 
causes so much panic and disruption to to an opposition that they they fall a bit because Brentford felt a bit. I thought they started that game well, like say they got the early goal and they looked like they were going to give us a game of football. But as that game went on, they just got so overpowered by us that they were just giving us the ball back and just just taking the slapping basically by the end. They were absolutely they were absolutely panicking. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Murphy there because I think what I was pleased to see yesterday was that Hell wouldn't named an unchanged team. You know, as I say, I, I was at Fulham. And what I saw on that pitch was I saw players who have maybe been a little bit maligned kind of growing stature during the game. I thought Sean Longstaff had a, a great game away to Fulham. I thought Murphy was excellent against against Fulham. Um, you could argue that he's probably the, you know, I hate to use the word worse, but on out of the, the 11 that start the game, he's probably the, the least effective performer in a sense, but he was still really, really good. And you could you could see the confidence in him, and I'm glad that he kept him in yesterday. And obviously he got that goal. Will he be in against Manuel? Probably not. He probably won't be starting against Manuel. He probably start with, with Maxi. But at the same time, Murphy's probably going to be going in like training next week, feeling like he's on top of the world. And like that, it's it's we're talking about how he how, how he takes these individual players and he just makes them so much better. And he has a decision to make at the start of the season. He's got a limited amount of players he can name in the squad. He included Jake Murphy as one of those players. And what he's getting out of him now is something I never thought that we would see. How many of us in this room thought we'd see Jake Murphy start Premier League games in Newcastle? But not, not just starting them, but playing in games where we're battering teams, 4-1 and 5-1. Jake and Murphy started two goals. We scored nine, we scored nine, two games, we scored nine goals in those two games. So regardless of what like, you know, lack of ability he may have, he's proven to be an incredibly effective footballer. I mean, I'm, I'm delighted to see because God, he's a likable kid as well, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait for ASM to be back. But you're, you're right, you're, you're right, Norm. I, I, you have to, first of all, Murphy, great, like, great moment from because he, last season, he could have had five. And if he's got five goals from midfield, his career almost transforms. And it's the, literally the width of a post on five occasions stops him from scoring. And, and uh, you know, I feel really, it, it's really unfair on him that he'll probably never get a chance again to score five Premier League goals in a season particularly, you know, in one where we struggled so much last season and, and, and his story might have been written a little bit differently. Again, purely down to luck because, you know, I think back to the Man United home game when he hits the inside of the post in the last minute, that, that would have been a winner against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. He's been denied these kind of famous moments for his career. So it was nice to see him get a goal yesterday. I mean, like the keeper's gone and he's only got a defender stood in the middle of the goal, but he's so terrified of hitting the post. He basically <laughs> hits it straight out the defender and it goes under him. He's so scared was he of, of hitting that post once more. At least he's learned that you, you can't miss if you kick it down the middle of the net. Harsh. Um, are we, um, we, uh, we going to individual, individual performances? Always. Why not? Because I just, I just want to talk about, um, and nobody's going to get on board with this, but um, Miguel Eleon de Asuncion Almiron, right? Michael, the lion of Asuncion Almiron. I want it out there. I want people to start seeing it. Um, All right, so you've, it you've made that up. I've just made it up. All right, I thought you, that was, you know, someone had been He's in touch. His middle name. South American radio get in touch with you a lot. I, I mean, that's Argentinian TV asking me um, how British people are responding to the the, the death of um, the, the previous monarch. I, I wasn't in a position to provide that information for Argentina. However, that's going to be so weird for people listening who don't know why that happens. I'll, uh, yeah, Let's I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll explain it. Um, but no, Almiron yesterday, I mean... Talking about confidence levels of players, he's mm. key, right? He's key. I mean, he's got four goals. He's a top scorer. The, the lad has been absolutely sensational. And four games ago, and I'm watching Mickey, um, Miggy Almiron thinking, man, I just wish you could use your right foot. No, I don't care. I don't care. Like, who needs a right foot eh? when you've got a left foot as good as that and when you can do what he does? Another goal. And that goal came from everything that we've always loved about Miggy Almiron. The fact that he, he will just run, harass, close down space, close down players. 
But what I saw yesterday, and I mentioned this to you, Si, I think during the uh, match day uh, chat that we had mm-hmm. at the end of the game and um, for the Patreon podcast, and what he's doing now is he's not just closing down, he's putting his foot in where it hurts, and that's how he got that goal yesterday. And um, just absolutely, absolutely delight to see it and really, really delight to see him go and get a Paraguayan flag from the crowd as well. Just little moments like that, like, make you think, I'm glad you're here, Miggy. Like, I'm glad Miggy Amaro's playing on Newcastle United. In the, in the 85th minute as well, by the way, he's still closing down and, and nicking the ball off off the keeper, basically, in, in after 85 minutes of, of pure running. I, I totally agree. The confidence we've seen in him, the change, the uh, the questions that were asked of Miggy Almiron last week were, right, you've, you've, had a, you've had a blinding game at Fulham. Can you do it again? Can you can you make a difference in, in a game at home to, to Brentford? And he answered that. He answered that perfectly. I think after five minutes, he cuts inside on his left foot. Very predictable for, for Miggy, but his confidence is there now and his touches are much closer and much better controlled. <laughs> and then he pings a shot that the keeper's got no right saving. Like, that's a player playing with confidence. Mm. A week ago, two weeks ago, he's he's not even getting the shot off or he's running into trouble and he's, he's turning back and he's having to pass it back. You know, it's the, the confidence is there now. He's getting the touch right. He's getting the shot right. And yeah, he got his reward again at the end of the game after another really, really good performance. Comes back to how as well, doesn't it? That because those are those are the questions that were being asked of Almiron. They'll, they'll have been asked in the training ground as well. Like he can see that. That's yeah. it, it just comes back to like how fucking great our like training staff are and how is like he can see that he thinks right we've got to work on that with Miggy he's clearly a confidence player like that that big smiling emoji face is is, he's a confidence player and and they've worked on it and he's just uh, yesterday was just brilliant like the Fulham game you know lots of people said well it was 10 men Fulham it was like you know Fulham aren't you know but Brentford were a point away from us yesterday like and now, now they're many points below, but um, it, it just it is. It's answering all those questions, and I just thought it was mint yesterday, and I can't wait to see him play against Manu. Fulham were ahead of in the table. Brentford at one point, yeah. but we're slapping teams all around in the table, right? And if you keep doing that, then you're going to finish half the table, aren't you? Um, but in terms, I mean, just quickly on Army Ron as well. You know, f- three weeks ago after Bournemouth. I was like at one point stood like an inch from a wall in my house, like screaming into it. Why don't you play him on the left hand side, Eddie? Um, just going to show I know a zip about football, obviously, <laughs> and especially compared to Eddie Howe. Um, but it's the understanding of Trippier as well, that corner for the goal. That was pure yeah. training ground, that, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I, I was going to talk about Trippier and ask you about him. This is this is another major plus point for Almiron, is that partnership now is delivering goals and chances mm-hmm. for Newcastle United. And I think both Trippier and Almiron deserve a lot of praise. But I think it's now start. It's time to start discussing them as a really effective partnership. They know what they're doing with each other. You know, Trippier finds himself in a lot of space because Almiron enjoys coming inside. Trippier thrives on that space. Um, it's really, really, really positive. I think that those two are getting the the um, you know the accolades and the partnership, but also the goals and the, the assists to prove it. Charlotte, let's talk about Kieran Trippier. What let's, would you like to say? Let's write poetry about Kieran Trippier. He's just—I can't believe he's thirty-two. Like the man's is so good at football. Um, he's so good at—he's such a calming presence. He's such a like a reasonable, brilliant man. I I love him. He yesterday we, we came out quite intense and then we were a little bit sloppy and then we conceded that goal but it was offside and then that was a sort of wake up call for the game and there is this this intensity as we keep talking about but Trippius Trippy is there and he's like 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 this to everyone like come on like like heads in the game focus um he's he picks up the ball out the goal as soon as the goal's been scored and he's right back on the center like like he's just he's just 
like commands the game. He's and a great captain. He's such he's a, a good captain. captain, and he's and you can see the respect that everybody's got for him. And you know, we've talked about it. The man next to me was saying, um, you know, he he was the start of this revolution because he took a chance on Newcastle United. He's the catalyst. Yeah, absolutely. You don't. I don't think you get a Bruno if Trippier hadn't come, and 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 believed in this project. And and put his all into this. Pro- he has he's put his all into this into this team, and I just I, I love watching him. Clearly, we're really good in in set pieces. That's clearly something we work on tons. But that, that that's because of his skill in set pieces as well, um, and we can rely on them now and and all of that stuff. So yeah, I just he had another amazing game yesterday, and I just think he's every time he goes down with like a slight, I'm like no no not trivia. <laughs> that cross. For the goal, by the way, was just, I mean, frankly, sensational, right? Mm. But I look at Trippier and everything you said there, I completely agree with his leadership, how he is a common presence, how he's an organiser, how he's talking to players all the time. But you know what else he's got? And I think this maybe ties into the fact that he had a couple of years under Diego Simeone, which I love. He's a nasty bastard as well when he needs to be. So Ivan Tony steps up to take that penalty yesterday. And you always see this, Trippier, he's just in there. He's in there, he has all the time. Great penalty from Tony, can't deny it. But ultimately, I, I'm glad we've got a captain who, when the opposition has an opportunity to score, he will just get straight in and not, not bother. Like, I don't care, I'm in the England squad, but I don't care, I'm straight in your face and I'm going to I'm gonna say as much as I possibly can to try and put you off. I absolutely love that and I love what he demands from the players around him as well. He's basically, he's almost like Eddie Howe on the pitch. He is like the Eddie Howe in, in, that, in that team, basically. Yeah. And it's, uh, he's, he's a frankly spectacular player. I cannot believe we've got him and um, you see he's 32, Charlotte. I look at him and I... And I and I see how he plays. I think there's another two or three years of him playing at that level, totally which is agree. which is superb for a fullback as well. Like by the way, yeah. 35 year old fullback in three years' time, and he's probably still going to be as effective. Yeah, 100. percent He's a winner, isn't he? He's a winner. Yeah. He, yeah. All that stuff you just said, Norman. It's about winning the game. Anything, any edge you can give her. But my favourite trip year moment yesterday was nothing to do with him actually playing football. It's when the ref went over to check the offside, and you can see if you, if you watch back on match of the day, he's um he's just standing a few yards away from him, like. Looking at the screen and laughing because he's like, ah, "It's definitely offside, ref." He's, he's pointing to say, "Yeah, it's glass, he's like, isn't it?" And he's looking at Tony, going, "You're fucked here, mate." Like, it's just, it's just class, so good. Really positive, I think Newcastle has scored two goals from corners in in two games because, um, you know, particularly games against um, Palace, Bournemouth, uh, and even Forest this season, Newcastle have racked up corner after corner after corner, and it started to become. You know, we'd looked so. I mean, we, we had looked dangerous from them, and Botman and, and Byrne in particular, and I'll include Brighton, the, the game in Brighton, that should have done better from corners. But it was starting to become a bit of an issue. We'll have all this possession, we'll have all these shots, we'll have all these corners. Well, you know, two games in a row, this was scored from a corner last week when Longstaff hits the rebound in from Botman and um, scored again yesterday with a routine. It just shows that they've gone away and thought, right, we're getting lots of corners. We're going to have to work out a new way to take corners. They started taking them short. Match day podcast, Cy, hilarious. Um, what fuck's yeah. Mickey taking this corner for? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, uh, so, you know, they're, they're working on these things. And this is the thing about Newcastle United. They just, in the games recently, they just don't stop coming for you. They, they come for you from everywhere. We come from deep. We press high up the pitch. They can play long when they've got to play long. Set pieces were really, really dangerous. If you give us the ball, um, we'll pin you in and Bruno will do something magical. Almiron will get you. There just seems to be so many different players who who can who can damage teams that they don't know how to deal with it. In that corner yesterday, you wouldn't have said, how will Newcastle United score from a corner? Well, yeah, uh, Kieran Trippi will cross it for Bruno. But that's what they made happen, and and this is when you know Thomas Frank talks about just didn't Newcastle did things that he didn't expect. 
I imagine that's part of it. That's a shock and goal to concede if you're the other team because why is Bruno Gamares one of the best footballers in the world at the minute, free with no one near him at the back post with a cross that is absolute perfection? You know, you're thinking, how do we stop this? But then how do you stop that? How do you stop that? I don't know how you stop it, but what I, what I am excited about and I wish we were playing them next week was Leicester because I think we'd score 20 goals from set pieces against Leicester. It's <laughs> just brilliant to play them. Uh, the, not just the corner, the, the set piece routines all over the pitch uh, yesterday. There was a there was a lovely little free kick. There was a one two with Bruno who looped it to the back post and it was headed back over, I think, by Botman or maybe Byrne. And that was a chance as well. It dropped. The defender got to it. But and then there was another one where Trippier takes a frick, quick free quick. They're all getting the wall ready, expecting him to have a shot because that's what Trippier does. And he he just scoops it over the wall to to Wilson. And he's very very unlucky. Uh, I think the defender is just enough to to force him wide. But that could have been another goal there. And Wilson who had had a tough game by all accounts yesterday. You know, I mean. I think you said to me again on the on the match day yesterday, Norman, that we don't score five goals if it's not for Callum Wilson, and I agree, but he didn't even have a very good game. He wasn't that involved in most of the chances, but apart from the, the Murphy one, um, and again, that's testament to how good we are, that Wilson's back in the team and he, he makes things happen, but he doesn't even have to score or, or be, be brilliant for us to be good, and that's really encouraging because we, we always worry about when that next injury comes, and watching all these other players contribute the way they did is, is massive. Well, that, that's it. I think Brentford's entire game plan was to like close up on Wilson. And they just, in doing that, gave an unbelievable amount of space to, to Bruno, to our midfield, to Almiron. Like, it, it, and they couldn't, they just couldn't change. Uh, like, they, they didn't seem able to change in game like yesterday. Clearly, that wasn't working, but they didn't seem able to, to do anything about that, which was great. <laughs> The corners, just going back to it in terms of set pieces in general, um, what I noticed yesterday was that when players like Shea, Longstaff, Byrne, Botman arrive in the box for corners, the other team must just be thinking, these lads are big. I mean, we've got a big team now, haven't we? Other than Almiron, who's kind of got like a, a long-distance runner's physique, right? And that, that, that works, that works, because that's, that's his game, right? Um, we're a powerful teammate, and again... I'll, I'll take it back to me. You need Old Trafford and that 4-1 defeat. One of the things that we said my first season after getting promoted under Benitez was the size of Newcastle compared to Man United. It was it was almost embarrassing. It was proper men against boys stuff. Yesterday, to me, it looked like Newcastle United were real. I mean, we were the bigger team and that's that's got to be frightening for most opposition to see lads that size arriving in the box of corners because you're thinking, if I go for a hero on these lot, I'm going to get hurt, yeah, and people didn't want to get hurt, so we will get goals, we will get goals from set pieces, double figures from set pieces this season, I'm going to see it. Can, can I talk about Sven Botman a bit now? Cause There's God. not loads of time, so I, yeah, I did want to talk about Botman briefly, I don't know if you've watched me and Ben Wade's post-match video on YouTube, but Ben suggested um, you know, a way to stimulate the United Kingdom economy would be to rename the pound the Botman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there we go. I probably, I probably can't top that. Um, but no, I just want like last time we played Brentford at home, we conceded three goals. I think in open play, and we had um, Lascelles and Clark and Share maybe. Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. So you know, three, three, and Ivan Tony bullied a lot of them. You know, one one striker against three, and he gave them a really hard time. Yesterday, Botman had him in his pocket pretty much the whole time, and then Trippier, um, Share, and Dan would uh, burn were just. Sweeping up, tidying up at the back because Botman did such a good job on on Ivan Tony. Now um and Buemo had scored the goal and that was the one mistake we kind of made. But other than that, it was just just Botman dominates that defence and there's no way he should ever be left out of this oh, no. Newcastle side again. I don't want to live in a world where he's not starting for Newcastle. <laughs> like out you know, out of choice, if he gets injured, then I'll I'll accept it. He'll go on, he'll carry on living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but just as I say it all the time, his ability 
to move the ball without taking a touch. Like normal footballers, particularly at the back, need to take a touch when the ball's fizzed into them at pace. Mm. Ben Botman doesn't need a touch. He's he's sweeping that ball side to side first time. And it's like, it, genuinely, I've, I've not really seen many other defenders at clubs ever do that. You know, Van Dyke can do it. Like this is this is already the kind of company I feel like he's keeping in the Premier League at the minute. Also really quickly on him, um, he'd won all 13 headers in the Premier League up to yesterday and Tony won two headers against him in the first five minutes, which in my opinion, Tony only did and because the headers went nowhere. They were like, he's won the header for no for, for, yeah. for no reason. Tony, Ivan Tony being as he is, had seen that start and was like, right, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. Um, so well done, Ivan. But then also, like Sai says, he just got absolutely dominated. Yeah. He wouldn't be playing for England if uh, Sven Botman was marking you every week. Bruno, Charlotte, talk to me. Yeah, just like fucking class, isn't he? Like, um, I pulled up some stats before that I sent to you, but Bruno, like, I think he, I'm not going to, I'm going to not going to try and remember them. I'll pull them back up. But like, he was just given so much space and yesterday by Brentford, who, and I was talking to you just before this, like, I was trying to imagine what Thomas Frank said at halftime, like, why aren't you marking Bruno? Like, why aren't you even like remotely near him at any point in the game? And I think he, his his men were probably just like, I can't, like, I can't, like, I can't even try and compete with that. So I'm not, I'm not going to, um, hundred percent shot accuracy. Seven duels won, seven passes into the final third, six times possession won. As I mentioned before, he just like was collecting the ball off off Brentford players with total ease. He was moving up the pitch. His strike was unbelievable. Like that, that doesn't go in. Like that's ridiculous. The keeper, keeper should have got that. But like the confidence, the like the the goal to kind of just make that shot is is just amazing to me like I love these players who have this kind of arrogance and confidence I just want to jump in before Norman comes in you we are we and everyone listening we're gonna have to get used to the fact that we're gonna score a lot of goals where we think the opposition should do better it, people say oh um Miguel Almiron's goal it's really poor by the defender of course it is but only probably Miguel Almiron is one of the few players in the Premier League who could score that goal because right. he's so fast because he's in such good form the keeper should still get the ball. And with that Bruno goal, I totally agree with you. Live, I'm like, keeper again. You watch it, it's it's hit so hard, yeah. but it bounces at the perfect point to um to move left and it, it skips off the um skips off the turf and almost like bends into the corner mm-hmm. past the goalkeeper. And it, it, the way, when you have class players who are capable of that, they're going to score loads more goals. Where in similar situations, like Sean Longstaff takes that shot, the keeper saves it. Yeah. But because he's so good, it's all on purpose. He, in, the shot intentionally skips up from the turf. He's he, he's not aiming for the top corner. He's aiming for that point on the kind of in between the penalty spot and the six yard yeah. box. So it makes it so much harder for the goalkeeper to react to the bounce. Right. Because he's because he's that good. It's just yeah, it's not fluke. It that's that's all intentional. He knows what he's doing. It's just it's just an amazing thing to watch. I mean, also the what what a Brentford player night. He runs thirty yards unchallenged and and to the point where he <laughs> can't shoot. Like, point, isn't it? Like, that, like, honestly, they didn't even. What are the playing at? Like, no. <laughs> but this it's winning the. This is the thing. When you win the ball high up like he does. The whole of the rest of the team's defensive structure, which they've spent weeks and months of years working on, it's gone because we're we're, we're supposed to have the ball. The left the left backs in a certain position because we're supposed to have the ball. There's no way this could possibly happen. But players like Bruno winning the ball back in that position, mm. they don't know what to do. The beauty of this particular moment, actually, because it's just after just after their goal. Sorry, Charlotte. No, no, um, no. Was, um, 
was uh, the, Dan Byrne, who's gutted he's given away the penalty, and he comes flying up the pitch to, to win that ball as well. He, he goes in first, makes the first challenge, it's bouncing around a bit, and Bruno just comes in and collects it, literally, and takes it away. Yeah. But it's Dan Byrne's determination after the, the ridiculous... Like, his hand's like nine feet in the air, and it's, it's a handball. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it was the reaction to that goal which, which made me believe there's no way when we concede a, a, a 2-1... Um, goal that, you, that you, you start worrying now because we, we react much better than the opposition to that situation now he's a player who I look at that Newcastle United squad and we've got some class players here we've got ASM Wilson Trippier you could make an argument that they would they would be more or less you know starters in a lot of teams in the Premier League most teams in the Premier League Bruno I think is the player that we have that would walk into any other Premier League team yeah he would be a fixture, you know, like ESM at Man City. Maybe would you know you you, you think of Trippier, Trippier at Man City? There'd be a kind of maybe rotation going on. They might not necessarily be automatically in the side. Bruno would be automatically in any other team. And the performance he put in yesterday was reminiscent, but better than Yuan Kabai. And Yuan Kabai, I think he's maybe like of a slight, of a slightly underappreciated because I think he was a world class player. He, he captains Lille to the league in France. He's a French international. He gets a massive move to Paris Saint Germain. He basically did Pardieu's managing from to the sense that he was the man on the pitch doing doing everything that Newcastle United need to finish fifth that season. It wasn't because Pardieu was a good manager. It was because he had a very 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 good player in Yuan Kabai dictating things. Bruno yesterday that that performance was reminiscent of the game against Stoke. I think I mentioned you didn't assign the match day where he just dom- he just dominated the opposition, scored two goals. Bruno's better. He's better than Kabai. And Kabai was a hell of a player. It's uh, it's magnificent to see. And I think technically, again, I've seen some fantastic midfielders at Newcastle me time, you know. Um, it's gone all the way back to Paul Gascoigne, basically. But Bruno, in terms of his, his technical ability, is, is he's, I'm going to see it right now, he's probably going to be the best centre midfielder I'll see in my lifetime as a Newcastle fan. I don't think it's an exaggeration. He's outrageous. Lovely to hear. Going to finish the podcast there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks to you guys for joining me on this Sunday morning. Uh, you know where we are. We're on Patreon. If you want more of this stuff, there'll be a second free podcast out later this week, I hope, potentially with uh, with another journalist interview because Luke Edwards joined us last week and was very, very good, as always. Uh, also, if you're listening, there are very few tickets left for the Newcastle United Supporters Trust event with Alan Shearer and Steve Harper on the 15th of November. I would hate for any True Faith listeners to miss out on that at the Stand Comedy Club in Newcastle. So I'll put a link in the description to this podcast We'll be back uh, on this kind of podcast after Manchester United next week, so that'll be a Monday evening pod. Uh, Look forward to speaking to you all then. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.